You guys, we are in Ireland. I can't believe I'm saying those words, but we're in Ireland. We recorded this podcast in Ireland. Did I mention we're in Ireland? <laughs> and uh, so we don't have the magical editing skills of Jenna Gizar on this episode, but stick with us. We had such a beautiful conversation with our spiritual advisor, Father John Parks, and I can't wait to share it with you. All right. Talk. Hi, guys. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Father Parks. Hi, Beth. Hi, Jenna. <laughs> Thanks for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Such short friend. notice, especially. Here we are. Thanks for flying all the way to Dublin, Ireland to be on this episode of The Gathering Place, a Blessed Is She podcast. <laughs> I, was, I was in the neighborhood. Thought I'd stop by. Thanks for having me. Father, are you excited that we're in Ireland right now? It's unbelievably exciting. It's just the people here. It's... So exciting that we're here. Very grateful. It's been so beautiful, and we've only been here for, has it been a full day? Day and a half. Yes. And already it's, it's so touched my heart. I know you feel the same. That's incredible. Jenna, how about you? Are you happy to be in Ireland? So happy. It's been a long time in the making. Yeah. So totally. our, our ground team coordinator, we'll just catch the people up. Please. Our ground team coordinator is this beautiful human being named Emma Sisk, and she's been assisted by a co-coordinator slash incredible musician named Maeve Carlin. And Emma reached out um, almost a year ago in December. She just sort of blindly posted in the Europe Blesses She regional group and said, I would love to offer a retreat for women. Would you be willing to travel for this? And all of these women from all over Europe were saying, sure, we'll come. <laughs> we'll go to another country for a gathering. So uh, somehow they ended up tagging us in the post. And uh, I distinctly remember Jenna and I sitting around your kitchen table. And I saw that post and they had tagged us. Like, could this ever happen? And I laughed. Yeah. Because it was just so unbelievable. Right. Like, maybe one day, we're open, Lord, whatever you want. Um, but then it was like a month later, I was at SLS, uh, the Focus Conference in Chicago. And we ran into some other Irish girls. That was the first time I met Maeve. And um, ultimately met like six or eight Irish girls. And who, Emma wasn't there. Emma was not there. Yeah. And so these were different women who all came and asked the same thing. Could Blessed Is She ever come to Ireland? And I remember I called you on the phone and I was like, hey, do you think we should pay attention to this? Like, it's kind of coming up a lot. And in classic Jenna Gizar style, <laughs> you were like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. It's so you. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's crazy that that was, that was almost a year ago. And here we are. Okay, so then we... We brought father into the mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? At that point, did we, did we talk to you about it? I think you did. You had mentioned it to me about possibly coming to Ireland. Like early on, yeah. And then, and then what did you do, father? Well, I think remember shortly thereafter, we met with Bishop. Right. To talk about Blessed Is She. And then in that meeting, talking to Bishop, we had just mentioned Ireland, that that was on the table. And he was like, I think you should do that. I think you should go. And for me, that was like it. Once yeah. I heard Bishop Olmsted say... I think that would be a good thing to do. It's like, we're going. Yeah. yeah. He was so supportive. And um, he's he's so encouraging. Just, it's a beautiful thing to have him as our bishop. He's a really good man. 
And I remember we left that meeting and listen, can I just tell them we did not plan to talk about Ireland. That was not on the agenda of things. We were just kind of giving him the overview of the ministry. Do you remember? When we were in the meeting. With yeah, Bishop. yeah, yeah. Yes. And then again, Jenna, led by the Holy Spirit, says, <laughs> hey, Beth, why don't you tell the bishop about our invitation to Ireland? Yeah. And I did. And he was so positive. Um, and we left that meeting. And it happened to be the feast of St. Bridget of Ireland that day. So all these like really cool confirmations along the way, like subtle, gentle, but obvious, you know, affirmations that the Lord wanted us to be here. And here we are. Here we are, the very first international Blessed Is You retreat. So crazy. Praise the Lord. Now and forever. (laughs) (laughs) Father. Yes. Tell us uh, what you're excited about the retreat. Well, to be honest, the, the, the thing, it reminds me of St. Paul, like going on missionary journeys. And I don't think I've ever done anything quite like this. Mm-hmm. And there's a story in Acts chapter 10 and 11 where Peter meets Cornelius. And the reason why I love that story is because it seems like Peter was prepared by the Lord to meet Cornelius. But then you find out Cornelius was prepared by the Lord to meet Peter. Yeah. And that's how I feel. Huh. Like I've come here, of course, to minister to the women of Ireland. But just in already being here these two days and meeting uh, Emma and Jared and um, they're just incredible people. Uh, Julie, uh, just their faith. Um, it's been such a blessing to me. So I feel like it's going to be like that. It's going to be a mutual blessing. I'm going to get a lot more out of the retreat than I'm giving to it. So that's what I'm really excited about. You are going to give a lot. Let's. <laughs> you are going to hear confessions. I and, hope so. <laughs> you know, concelebrate mass, things like that. And we um, have had some lovely masses with you while, while we've been here so far. Yes. Team joined us this morning and... Had a jet-lagged holy hour last night. So good. Can I also add that, of course, we have our own problems going on in the American church. Yeah. But when we had our Google Hangouts, the, um, the yeah, when we got to know the, the team, just their faith, especially being part of a persecuted church, mm. where in Ireland the church has, you know, just such a little, if any, sway in the public perception. Really, I think it's more thought of as a negative thing in the world, yeah. uh, at least in the Irish world. Uh, it's been so good to be with them because it's reminded me that Jesus is still Lord. Like, there are people here, we've met them already, and they've encountered the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The resurrection has not changed one iota, no matter how the, like, the institutional church, how it's perceived in the world. And so that's really exciting. It's like, Lord, you're everywhere. Mm. Yeah. In places where it seems like the church is dying. Yeah. Hearing people's stories is... Um... It's so powerful. Yes. Right? And to hear, um, you know, because there's one spirit, right? Like we're all encountering the same person. So it always has that like tinge of, you know, the fruits of the spirit, peace, joy, love. It's, it's just, um, I love to hear people's story. You do too. You're very big on uh, hearing people's conversion stories. I'm kind of obsessed with it. Yeah. I was just thinking how cool it is when you do hear someone's conversion story and you realize, oh, we met the same person. Yeah. Like what you just said. Like, wow. it's all the same God, you know? And it's, yeah. it's like that familiar, like if you were to meet a family member and now you somehow feel connected. But like, you met him too. Like we're, we are all a part of this family. It's just so beautiful to hear that. That's why I think we met Emma today, met her in person today, mm-hmm. spent mm-hmm. a day running around Ikea and had a couple of meals. 
and I love her. Mm-hmm. She's so in my heart because we have Christ as the That's foundation right. and the center of our friendship. Yeah. Father, will you um will you tell everybody about about the track that you gave us the other night? The track. The tra- the track about encountering Jesus. The Catholic and- track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, the ultimate relationship. Yeah, I love it. So, oh, by the way, just to note on what you just said, it reminds me of the original MySpace. Okay. Because when we joined <laughs> yes. MySpace, you got a friend. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his name was. Oh. Do you remember? Wait, Ted? No. Close? Jared? No. Tom. 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 And so everyone had one friend, at least, on MySpace, and you all had that same friend in common. It's like that in the church. Yeah. Like we all have the same friend. We He's Lord. Have... <laughs> you don't even have to be friends with Mark Zuckerberg. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. It wasn't a forced friendship on Facebook. But MySpace, how inviting. Yes. We already had a friend. There was Tom. <laughs> I like how with Mark it's forced, but with Tom it's, <laughs> it's just casual. <laughs> I thought it was very hospitable of Tom to be friends with every person on MySpace. Fault you know? Yes. Fulce means welcome. He had a friendly face, that Tom on MySpace. <laughs> that, that rhymed inadvertently. Okay, tell us about the Catholic track. So it's called The Ultimate Relationship. It was created by the Catholic Christian Outreach out of Canada by a guy named uh, Andre Rainier. Who's, uh, he's been referred to as the Canadian... Uh, who's the guy who founded Focus? Curtis Martin. Yes, kind of like the Canadian Curtis Martin. Okay. And so anyway, it just presents the gospel in a very succinct way, which is, you know, made for God's love, sin enters the world, the bad news, then the good news, what Jesus has done for us, and then invitation. So it just basically follows that very succinctly. And I would say it presents the gospel in the most minute form that's both succinct and complete. So it has all the major elements of the charisma or the gospel, and also... <clears throat> It's done in a succinct way. Like you could share it with somebody in less than 10 minutes. And so in my life, I've, I've done that. I've led Bible studies and between certain weeks you present to each person individually, the ultimate relationship book. And even as a priest, it's like I'm really nervous every time. Hmm. Like what are they going to say? But it reminds me that the kerygma, the core gospel message, there has to be a moment of decision and a moment of invitation where you just put it on the line. You say, do you want Jesus to be the Lord? In center of your life, don't want to be your savior, and then you just wait. They might reject. They might say yes, but every time I've done it, every person's always said yes wow. to God be the glory. Wow! And it's it's exciting, and sometimes it's very emotional. Sometimes it's not, but it's like getting married. Sometimes when people get married, they exchange vows. They're like weeping, and other times <laughs> they exchange vows and they're like kind of laughing through them. Or but when they said those words, when they meant it, mm. they were married. Wow. And so when somebody for the first time makes Jesus the Lord of their life, all those graces at baptism, kind of confirmation, they kind of come alive because they come to faith and it's really powerful. It's something I feel oftentimes is missing in the church. We can forget that core gospel message. Yeah. So yeah. I think, um, so we made a new friend today and he was sharing his testimony with us and he had um, this beautiful moment of encounter with Jesus that was, we've talked, Jenna and I have talked about it since that conversation, it was so, um, it was so sincere. Yes. It was just a, a beautiful, vulnerable thing to share. And yet it, just this very succinct, um, simple thing that he put out there. But then later he said, even after having that encounter, there came a moment of decision. So it wasn't enough that he just had that first encounter because then he went back into his family, they didn't really know what to do with him. He didn't really know what to do with himself. But then later, this like mentor entered his life 
And that's when he kind of made this, this decision. So the invitation was there in the encounter, right? Yes. But then the growing and the being discipled, is that like the decision? That's a good, that's a good question. And there's a book called Clear and Simple by the mm-hmm. same guy who wrote The Ultimate Relationship, Andre Rainier. <laughs> and in it, he says, there can be people who have multiple encounters with Jesus, but I've never had a metanoia where they like put their nets down. Wow. So people can encounter the Lord in a powerful way, you know, like sacrament of confession or adoration, but that doesn't necessarily mean they've decided you're the Lord of my life. You're what I'm living for. You know, there's an old saying of Jesus is not the Lord of all. He's not the Lord at all. Mm-hmm. So have I made him the center of every part of my life? <clears throat> and Lizzie, you would know that because again, you start to grow in faith and repentance. You start to move away from your sin, mm-hmm. move into a life of grace. And if you remember when he told us his conversion, so he had an encounter with the Lord when he was 13 through confession, has another encounter some, some few years later, but it's not until he meets this guy, he begins to sort of pastor and mentor him, that he, for the first time, articulates the encounter he had yeah. when he was 13. Yeah. And I think there are some people, maybe even listen to this podcast, who have had encounters with the Lord, but there hasn't been anybody who's kind of heard it and who has faith and says, something happened there. Mm-hmm. Like, that was Jesus. That yeah. was the Lord. And sometimes when just that happens, I think for a lot of Catholics, we don't know exactly when that moment was. It's going to be very powerful to ask somebody like a very simple question, like, tell me a time of your life when you knew uh, God was real. Like you just couldn't Mm -hmm. deny it. And then have them kind of explain that situation and just point out like, that was the Lord. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And that, that sounds like a lot of peace was in that moment. And just the comfort of knowing like, I don't have to be in control. Somebody else is in control and they're good. They're going to, they love me. Yeah. Kind of all of those things. So I think even in his own conversion story, you could hear he had some encounters, but it wasn't really till later. This may have been after you left the table. He said he had to decide to follow Jesus. And he Mm. said he went on a retreat and he didn't have this big consolation. And he's kind of waiting for that. And it didn't happen. And it was the not having the consolation where he was reminded from something that his mentor said, which is, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, you have to decide to follow him every day. Mm. And he said he would concretely do that by his prayer time in the morning, like doing Lexio Divina. And he said not getting the consolation was kind of the thing that made him realize, oh, I have to make a decision for him. Like, he's not just like a genie in a bottle. He doesn't just like give me stuff every time I want it. He's the Lord, and I have to decide to follow him every day. And that's the metanoia. That's I've laid down my nets. I'm deciding to follow you. Yeah. What a grace even though that he understood that yes. that was a moment of choice. Whereas I think sometimes we can misunderstand that lack of consolation or not feeling God's presence, not having the emotions to accompany what we think should be a powerful spiritual experience. And we think, wow, maybe this isn't real. Maybe God doesn't love me or he's not listening. Right? Yeah. Right. yeah. So pretty incredible that he saw it for what it was. Amen. Well, and such a testimony to being mentored. Yeah. Like having someone teach you is, I mean, it's been huge for my life to be able to have spiritual mentors and people who can teach me the language and um, just give me the words to articulate what it is that I'm experiencing or what I would like to experience in prayer. Yeah. Yeah, and Jesus spent three years camping with 12 guys, which seems like an exorbitant waste of time, but... Yeah. That's how you make a disciple. It's a lot of one-on-one time. It's a lot of presence. Yeah. And that's absolutely true. And sometimes the seed of faith can be planted, but as Jesus says, if it's not in good soil, it won't grow. It can be choked out by the anxieties of the world. And I think having a mentor, friendship, being rooted in this, you know, the sacraments and the word, that keeps it growing, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're right. Mentorship is essential. 
Father, can you tell us about um, my favorite part of, tell me the name of the track again. The Ultimate Relationship. The Ultimate Relationship. <laughs> my favorite part is the illustration. It's like a little booklet. You have to explain that part. Yeah, I, people know what a track is, right? No, what is a track? That makes like, me think people, of a movie. No, I like, mean a track on a CD. Yeah, so it's T-R-A-C-T, tracked. And, Excuse me, I wasn't enunciating. Oh, that's okay. And most Catholics... <laughs> oh, I don't know what a tract is either. <laughs> Tell me more. Would probably know them because there's anti-Catholic tracks by Jack Chick, who are famous anti-Catholic tracks. So okay. there's, there's a famous one in the Eucharist called The Death Cookie. They're not what? good. Yeah, they're not good. Why, I, I want to edit this out, oh, and no. we can't edit. So sorry. <laughs> so anyway, there are some anti-Catholic um, ones. That's how most people know them, but this is a positive, good Catholic tract. 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 Which is a me. booklet. Yeah, it's a very small booklet. <laughs> it's yeah. like a little paper it's pamphlet a little almost. Paper pamphlet. <laughs> Bother. <That's right>. So, <laughs> yes, and what was the question? <laughs> the illustration. Oh, the illustration. Yeah. So, there's an illustration where it's talking about three different types of relationships, and it's uh, somebody who is single, somebody who is dating, so there's kind of a partial commitment there, and somebody who's married. So it's kind of a total commitment at the center of their life. And then it uses that human analogy to talk about a relationship with the Lord, somebody who Jesus is outside of their life, someone who Jesus is a part of their life, which is kind of a partial commitment, and a relationship with Jesus is the center of their life. They have a total commitment. And so then you ask the person, where would you say your relationship with Jesus is now, and they point out, most people are usually like in the second block, like Jesus is a part of my life, but he's not the center of my life. Then you ask, where would you want your relationship to be? And most people say, I've never had anybody say I want to go backwards. Most people say, I want him to be the center of my life. Hmm. So do you want to do that now? And so then, of course, there's a very simple prayer that if you say with faith, again, you're just making Jesus the center of your life. So it's a really nice way to talk about what does it mean to say that Jesus is Lord? Well, it's like a marriage. If marriage is the great analogy of a relationship with God, well, then it's really helpful to know, how do you get married? Well, you consent to it. You say, I do. You use words. Mm-hmm. So the same ideas that play here. Well, and I love that you were talking about making the decision earlier, too. It totally made me think of marriage. Like, even in dry times in marriage, in the valleys, every single day you have to decide That's right. to love this person. You have to choose it. So I totally thought of that when you were talking about um, just making that decision, even when there's not consolations. And here's a fun fact of the day. The word decide comes from a Latin word, desideri, which means to cut away from. Hmm. So when you decide to do something, like I'm going to decide to eat healthy, I have to cut out of my diet all of these things. Wow. So when you decide to marry somebody, say, I want to marry you, I hmm. say yes to you, at the same act, you're saying no to every other person on planet Earth. You're cutting out all of those people. Hmm. So when I decide that Jesus is the Lord of my life, then I have to cut out idols. I have to cut out sin. I have to put him there even on days when i don't feel it i still have to decide every day mm. to make him the center <laughs> it's the ultimate relationship <laughs> <laughs> father can i can i put you on the spot jenna i'm gonna put you on the spot too i would love to hear guys it's gonna be so fun i would love to hear a moment of encounter in your life when you knew god was real you're asking Father first. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm on a World Youth Day, and I'll try to make this as short as possible. Wait, which one? 2002, Toronto, oh, Canada. Excuse me. Yeah, it's kind of the off the beaten path. Most people know about Rome in 2000. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I was there. So in Toronto? In no, Rome. in oh, Rome. Of course. So anyway, <laughs> we're in Toronto, the lesser known <laughs> World Youth Day trip. And I had recently had a breakup in my life. 
So I was in college at that time. And I was still pretty heartbroken over it. And she was on the trip. What? Yes. Drama. So, <laughs> and I was still pretty much mostly in love with her, although I was yeah. pretending not to be. And so I remember being on this trip and just being really frustrated with the Lord about that and saying things to God like, I thought you wanted me to be happy, yeah. but this person's not in my life. And I thought at one point I was going to marry them. Spoiler alert, didn't work out. <laughs> anyway, so, this is Father Park's stocking. So... <laughs> So we go to um, Toronto, and I remember just being confused about that and really seeking God's will and like, Lord, what are you doing with my life? And so there was a time of adoration. It was in this airport hangar. There was like 5,000 teenagers. And I remember at that time, this girl I was still in love with, her this guy was on the trip, and he was, they were like best friends. And she would look at him so fondly, like she was so fond of him. And I remember being particularly hurt by that because yeah. I felt like the way she looked at him was the way that she used to look at me. And I felt like I had lost it, you know, and then I wouldn't get it back. So I was in adoration with these in this airport hangar with 5,000 people praying and kind of seeking the Lord about that and frustrated. And as I was thinking about that, the Eucharist was processing around and it had gotten closer to me, but I didn't know that. So I opened my eyes. and It was probably at this point only about 10 feet away, which is really close considering how big this room was. And in that moment, the Lord just spoke to me in my heart. I didn't hear like an audible voice, of course, just in my heart I knew. And what the Lord said is, the way that she looks at him is the way that I look at you. Wow. And I just remember being overwhelmed by that. Like, mm. And I repented, like, Lord, I'm so sorry I didn't know that. And I'm sorry that I doubted like you're this good. And uh, it was an incredible moment. And yeah, just, you know, we have that kind of moment with the Eucharist. It's like, Jesus, you're here. You're present to me. You love me. And so that was way back in 2002. But you still remember it, you know? You never forget those encounters. Yeah. So that's it for me. Thanks for sharing, Father. You're welcome. I've never heard that story. Obviously. By my tears. <laughs> never heard it. That's crying. <laughs> What's new? <laughs> <laughs> Jenna, bring it on. Um, I was at a conference. And, um, there were a few things that happened at that conference. So I need to try to, I was listening so well to father. So I wasn't really thinking of my story. Um, but there was one time where, um, we were kind of invited to, to really think about our sin, I guess, kind of led in, in an examination of conscience. Um, and one that I had never thought, like I never thought about things that I was doing as sinning, um, I don't know why. I, hmm. I, they were obviously sins. Um, anyway, I just remember at one point closing my eyes and realizing that I pictured all the times that I had been sinning, um, whether it be with friends or, or whatever I was doing. Anyway, and I remember picturing the Lord being in every single one of those moments where I had always felt like I was alone before. Mm -hmm. um, and him like being there at, at everyone and, and me recognizing that he had never left me and that he was always going to be there no matter what I was doing, no matter how far I was gone. Um, so yeah, that was like, I was like weeping at the thought of it. And I remember him saying, like that all of my tears was like every single sin that I was finally like giving over to him and mm -hmm. 
and recognizing for the first time, again, like recognizing that that was wrong and that he was there even though it was wrong. He was there in all those moments. That wasn't quite as well articulated as father's. I apologize. I'll take it. <laughs> Don't apologize. That's great. Beth? Thanks, Jenna. Yes. Uh, I, too, was not prepared for the question that I asked <laughs> <laughs> of you two. Does it have to be the first time, Father? What no. Do you, what do you want to know? Just a moment of encounter. Any moment of encounter? Sure. Oh, I kind of took the first time. Um... Okay. It's hard. I mean, I want to give a moment like from this week. So let me think. Like a big one, you know? Hmm. Um, come Holy Spirit. You know, I'll just tell you about my first, I think. And I don't know that it was a moment. It really was a process. I grew up in the church and uh, was confirmed as a teenager and had... Um, a really a long process of confirmation. Mm -hmm. Thanks be to God. It was uh, a full year and I had to go to youth group and I had weekly confirmation classes and a confirmation retreat and a youth group retreat all in one year. And I was going to mass and, you know, had been an altar server, but by this time my family wasn't really practicing with the exception of my mom. Um, And high school's a weird time, you know, I was, very out there and seemed to have a lot of friends, but just struggled with this uh, deep insecurity. In many ways, I think it was my insecurity that caused me to be so outgoing, like (laughs) to push harder, you know, Mm -hmm. to perform, to be liked. Um, And I think I just, I came into this community where all of these people knew this person, right? It was the first time I had a witness of people who had a relationship with a person rather than just people who were also Catholic. Does that make sense? And um, it was throughout, I mean, it was, it was absolutely the witness of a very holy youth minister who loved me and um, included me and thought that I was special you know, I, which I now understand every single teen in that youth program felt that way about him. He's so gifted. Um, but it was on a confirmation retreat the first time I really prayed and, and just asked Jesus to come into my heart, like that, that I understood that he was a real person and that I could have a relationship with him. And it's just never been the same. There was no, I mean, I, there was nothing that I remember tangibly that he said or that happened I'm pretty sure I rested in the spirit on this retreat it's a very charismatic group but uh, it was just a sense of like being known and being loved and that all of that longing that I had for belonging and love and to be seen was in Jesus yeah not very flashy but it's, it's mine. Yeah. 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 Thanks for sharing it. Yeah. So it would be cool if you, listener, asked someone about their. How did you phrase it, Father? Encounter with the Lord. Yeah. What yeah. was the question though? It was like a. It was a great opening question to ask someone. Like, tell me about a moment 
when you knew God was real? Yeah. Yes, like it. Yeah, that's right. Tell me a moment when you knew God was real and you couldn't deny it. Mm-hmm. And so, virtually people who, yeah. In my experience, virtually anyone can answer that question. They just know, you know. Yeah. And have them talk about it, what happened. It's so good, too, to revisit those, right? Because there, there might be people in your life that have had an encounter, but maybe not made that decision yet. That's right. They might be in that dating phase. And then asking them to open their heart and to share about that encounter kind of brings it all up again, right? Stirs up the longing and... That's right. It's like watching your wedding video. <laughs> That's right. And you remember the first time you fell in love. Also, if you think about in the Old Testament, they would always remind themselves of God's faithfulness before big battles. Like, is this not the God who led us with mighty hand and outstretched arm from slavery in Egypt? And why would they do that? The point was because if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he was that good to me in the past, and he's the same, then he's here now, and he's still good. Mm-hmm. So if I had this encounter with him, I brought great peace, and I had the experience of being loved. Well, if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, I can keep experiencing that. I can still live in that. So that's the other thing. kind of deepens the grace in that moment. Yeah. I love that. Well, I'm excited to have more encounters with the Lord, with both of you, tomorrow, this weekend. (laughs) In another country. In another country. Let's pray. Yeah. Would you mind leading us in prayer? Sure. Thanks. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, our Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to fan into flame the Holy Spirit you've given to us. At baptism and confirmation, we thank you, Lord, for all the encounters in our life. We ask that you would call to mind uh, those encounters, or one of those encounters in particular. And we thank you, Lord, for that. And we recognize that you are Jesus, who is crucified and risen, that you are alive. That you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you only have good things for us. You love us. You care about us. You died on the cross for us. and You rose to new life. Please bless us. Please give us hearts to be able to hear uh, how you're alive in other people's lives and to be more aware of your presence and your movement in our own lives. We pray this, Jesus, through your most holy name. Amen. 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 The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, guys. So fun. Thanks, Father. Thank you. Chat soon. All right. Good night.